horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, got uh, two uh, veteran guests, but uh, excellent handicappers. Um, if you go to uh, DRF TV, Daily Racing Forum TV, the star of the show is none other than Dan Illman. And uh, Dan uh, was kind enough to join us again. Uh, and he's not only going to break down the Pimlico, as he's seen a lot of those horses uh, run, uh, but uh, he will also then, it, it, it's, it's hard to believe we're watching I don't know, is it the second Jewel of tri Triple Crown, third Jewel of Triple Crown? <laughs> this year is insane, but I don't have to tell anybody that. Um, anyhow, uh, there's a great card at, at Belmont Park, and there's a great card at Keeneland. I'm not saying Pimlico's isn't, but because of all the shuffling the deck, uh, this day is probably the biggest Breeders' Cup prep day of the year. Uh, there were some very good races last year, uh, last week, and we'll, we'll go through that too. But uh, it, it, so you, you've got to concentrate on on uh, looking perhaps at Belmont or Keeneland or both and Pimlico. You're going to be all <laughs> all over the, the place, ladies and gentlemen. What what can I say? But um, I, I can say this, that this gives you an excellent opportunity to pull down our easy win forms at, uh, at winning ponies. So uh, Dan will be out of the gate covering the Pimlico Preakness Million Dollars Grade 1. And then um, Brian Zipsy is going to come on, and he's kind of a Kentucky-based guy. And uh, he, he is going to help us with uh, the horses that will be racing at Keeneland. Uh, this was always my favorite day of the year. I always made sure that nothing happened that's keep me from Keeneland on this day. But who could have predicted the COVID-19? Well, uh, speaking of winning ponies, before I get to some of the nice hits we had this week, I want to remind everybody <clears throat> or inform everybody we are taking a uh, having a Preakness contest. Uh, first place is 100 cold cash. Uh, second, 100 winning credits. So you can pull down these easy win forms, and you're going to need them on Saturday. Uh, third place, 75 winning credits. Fourth, 50. Uh, 25 to fifth and sixth. And the closest final time gets 25 credits. So um, you got to tune in to about an hour before post time. And uh, it's really easy. It doesn't cost anything. You don't have to be a member or anything like that for you to get in on the uh, Preakness 145 handicapping uh, contest. Um, so uh, we will uh, be, again, all over the place. But we were all over the place this week uh, with our easy win forms uh, at Santa Anita. Uh, we had uh, a 50 cent super high five that paid 2300 at Churchill. 
We had a ten cent super key, two thousand three hundred eleven. And Pimlico, all right, we're getting hot at Pimlico. Another good reason. Uh, the one dollar super today, ladies and gentlemen, two thousand eight hundred forty-one dollars. So uh, there you go. Uh, easy win forms. It's just that easy. Well, um, let's uh, take a look at the, at some of the uh, the credits and the, the the races that we did last week. Uh, we're, we're just sensational, but uh, we'll of course go over the Preakness field with both of those guys, so you'll get all the updated odds and and their picks and everything. Now, uh, Robbie Alvarado is going to ride Swiss Skydiver. It has been announced because Tyler Gaff Leon is occupied at Keeneland. Uh, so uh, Kenny McPeak turned to Robbie Elberado, guy that's kind of been in the shadows of late, but we sure know that this is a guy that knows uh, how to ride in a big race. Uh, so uh, he feels that he's got great confidence in Elberado, and he will be there now, a guy that's won over 5,200 races. Here was uh, some information we didn't want to hear. Midnight Bizu has been retired uh, after she was Injured, she came out of a workout three days ago at Saratoga, uh, feeling a little discomfort in her front like front right leg. So they sent her down, and you take no chances with an amazing uh, mare like this. Uh, Doctor uh, Larry Bromwich of Rudin Riddle said that uh, she had a slight sesamoid fracture in her right front fetlock. No surgery. She's going to be turned out at Windstar Farm, so she's already down there, and. Uh, they, they uh, uh, thought that she was going to be running in the Spencer at Keeneland, uh, but she will. She was going to be sale, sold anyhow. So at the elite sales, at the November sale at Phasing Tipton, November 8th, she will be going through the sale ring. So officially uh, retired uh, with earnings of more than, dig this, $7.4 million from 22 starts, 13, 6, and 3 record. Now, she wasn't afraid to get, to go anywhere. Uh, her five top-level wins were the Santa Anita, Anita Oaks, uh, the Cotillion, the Apple Blossom, the Ogden Phipps, and the Personal Ensign, all grade 1s. And, of course, she was awarded the Eclipse Award as the champion older dirt female. So she wasn't going to be in action again, except for the Spencer, but now she won't. Neither will win, win, win. Well, this horse uh, showed a lot of different dimensions, uh, but uh, he was rounding in his best form for Michael Trombetta, and it uh, looks like he came up with a tendon injury, so uh, he will be uh, retired. Uh, stud plans for him were not announced. Uh, win, win, win. He's a track record setter at Tampa Bay Downs. Uh, uh, smashed uh, the record down there. And uh, so he lived up to his name, really. 12 starts, uh, I should say, uh, capturing five of his 12 starts, placing in four others, and earned over $600,000. Now, let's take a look at some of the outstanding races that we looked at last week. Of course, the Breeders' Cup Classic, winning your in, awesome again. 300,000 at Santa Anita. It was a battle of the stablemates. Improbable taking on maximum security. And yes, maximum security is vulnerable. And uh, from last to first, improbable. Wow, what a big, good looking chestnut son of City Zip. 
trained by none other than Bob Baffert, who also trains maximum security. Uh, They ran one, too, with midcourt finishing uh, behind. And then a win and you're in for the two-year-olds. It was the American Pharaoh. little upset here at eight to one. Get her number. Flavia and Pratt got by the, the leaders and finished strongly over Rombauer, who was 11 to 1. And third was the even money choice, Spielberg. Uh, also at Santa Anita, it was the John Henry. This will be a win in your end. You'll see this horse on Breeders' Cup Day. And none other than United, not a surprise. Uh, just a, a beautiful chestnut gelding. He's going to be around because he is a gelding, but he went wire to wire in this grade two race over Orgenaire. Uh Then it was the Rodeo Drive, and in wire to wire fashion, it was Mucho Unusual, who was a Calbred winning the Rodeo Drive. So nice shot in the arm for that state bred program. And second was Maxicum maximum rate so uh we'll be looking at bucho unusual in the breeders cup then as you call we went down to florida with our friend pete aiello and uh, took a look at some of the races down there uh be r- finishing first in the wildcat air wasn't the big feature race down there uh it was noble drama who was sent away the even money choice and moved on the turn very quickly, got the job done over garter and tie. Then it was the Florida Sires, my dear girl for the two-year-old Phillies. And the winner in here, Princess Secret, got up by a head over rest of the story. Long shot at 16 to one and big rings to beat the Pete, uh, horse that it was so big he told me a man you're not kidding this daughter of the big beast was huge but she had no room to go when it was time to make her run so dismissed at uh, six to five she gets the third spot but again a head victory by princess secret uh then the in reality that was for the two-year-old boys now all of a sudden the rain started coming down and uh things got a little sticky uh in Florida, uh, the the winner here, Boca Boy, showed speed early. wasn't sure that uh, he was going to hold on, but he did. Wire to wire, gets the win over Breeze on by. You might want to make note of that horse's name. This horse is dying to make a big new uh, move for uh, trainer Ralph Nix, and just could not get by was it was in a box for a good portion of the race so breeze on by put in a box didn't get the job done but boca boy did and uh then you had to wait a day to stay up late and watch from remington park the oklahoma derby and it was no surprise in here shared sense with Richie Aramia in the saddle. Got the job done for Brad Cox. This horse uh, didn't fire in the Ellis Park Derby. The one by Art Collector will be one of the favorites in the Preakness. So shared sense, uh, trained by Brad Cox, gets the job done at 9-5. to five. Second, it was Mo Mosa. And third, it was Liam. So uh, that was a look at some of the horse, horses we handicapped last week. Now, 
the Preakness Stakes. Let's take a quick look at what you're going to see. Remember, we've got the contest up uh, at Winning Ponies, so uh, free money, free money. Okay, no surprise here. Uh, the winner of the Kentucky Derby, who is normally favored in the Preakness Stakes, uh, no matter what time of year they run it, uh, <coughs> was authentic. Uh, John Velasquez will be back in the saddle. Now, the Derby was the first time he rode this horse for Bob Baffert and uh, was very strong in the Kentucky Derby. So we know that he go a mile and a quarter. Uh, he's got to go a shorter distance, a mile and three sixteenth in the grade one Preakness. Uh, that's going to be run just so you know. Put it on your calendar. Get the lawn mowed and stuff. About 536 it is supposed to go off. Uh, so authentic was installed as the nine to five choice and, uh, Tommy Dury trained art collector is set in there at five to two. And then it's pretty stretched out after that. Uh, Swiss skydiver was tabbed at six to one again, new writer, Robbie Alvarado thousand words, uh, who was supposed to, go to post in the derby and flipped in the paddock. It's uh, throwing blinkers on Bob Baffert, try to calm down, but uh, it did win uh, that shared belief last time out. Again, that was back in August, though. So a thousand words from the Baffert barn. Anything he sends to post is going to be dangerous. So odds all over the place after you get by the top two. All right, we're going to take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, we're going to be with one of the smoothest presentators of thoroughbred information in the business, none other than the Daily Racing Forms, Dan Illman. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll free. 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. 
Hide and with me now. So happy to see that when I got the text back that, yeah, I'll be on your show. None other than Dan Illman. You go to DRF TV if, you, if you're looking for his clean shaven face and his top picks uh, 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 throughout the, uh, the racing world. So, Dan Illman, welcome back to Winning Ponies, my friend. Well, thank you for having me, John. It's always great to talk to you, especially on a weekend like this. I mean, this is what racing fans and horse players, they dream about. Preakness weekend with all the stakes, Belmont uh, Breeders' Cup preview day with the Joe Hirsch Turf Classic, the Belmont Derby, and of course, opening weekend at Keeneland. This is some exciting stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I'm going to be happy. I got AADD or whatever I got where I can't concentrate on one thing. This would be like watching the red zone in the NFL football, you know? You're just going to see one big race after one big race after one big race all afternoon. I just pray uh, to the racing czar, if there is one, that somebody will make sure they don't step on the other guy's Post time because this is just too good of a weekend to miss races at 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 Keeneland at Belmont and I guess we gotta certainly give a, ta- a nod of the cap to Pimlico. Uh, we can certainly hope, although it seems every week something like that happens. I'm also hoping that the weather holds out, um, especially at Pimlico, where the turf course today was yielding. A couple of races were washed off of the turf. Uh, you want to see these championship races, these races that lead to the Breeders' Cup World Thoroughbred Championships. You want them to be decided on a fair playing field. Uh, no excuses. Absolutely, Dan. Well, uh, again, I'm going to play to your strengths. Uh, which I think is the the New York circuit. But before we do that, I I certainly couldn't uh, have a triple crown race without uh, uh, tapping on your knowledge of the game. As as I stated before the break, uh, the two obvious horses at the top are Authentic and uh, Art Collector. And after that, they're they're pretty well spread out. You know, it looks like uh, people will be having fun trying to, uh, play those uh, supers and uh, and trifectas, but uh, so are you in agreement with me? Are, are are those the top two, the ones to beat? I think authentic certainly is the horse to beat. Um, I'm not telling anyone they don't or anything they already know. Um, it's going to be interesting from a pace dynamic and who's going to go after authentic. Someone's got to. In the Derby, it just seemed like after the first quarter mile, they let Johnny V go and let authentic control that thing. And I can't imagine horses like New York Traffic or even Art Collector or Swiss Skydiver simply allowing that to happen. Now, authentic may just be good enough where he draws outside the other speeds and he sits a great stalking trip, one of those typical tis the law Travers Belmont trips, and he just goes on with it. And that's what I expect to happen. But I don't know. There are a couple of other horses that interest Maybe if you want to look at bigger prices underneath, uh, let's do it in post-position order. Mr. Big News was third at a big price in the Kentucky Derby, and he's going to get a good pace, I think, in the Preakness. And I thought he ran an underrated Derby. He made this big five-wide bid on the turn, and uh, he wasn't giving any quarter to the big two in the stretch. It just looks like this is a horse that's finding himself with more distance. And if you give him pace, as we saw in that Oaklawn Stakes over a wet track way back in the spring, he can come with a kick. That's one horse I'm interested in. Baffert's other runner, Thousand Words, you mentioned him earlier on. Baffert likes to tinker with the blinkers, and if you notice in his second lifetime start, Thousand Words, coming off a win in a maiden race 
effort put blinkers on thousand words, thousand words respond with the win in the Los Alamitos futurity. So usually, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, is a axiom you want to live by, not with Baffert. Baffert likes to tinker even when things are going well, and this horse is adding blinkers off of a win. Thousand Words is a very, very game and gritty horse. That's his greatest attribute. It looked like he was going off form in the spring. Baffert gave him some time off, and he's come back. It looks like as good as new. And don't uh, sleep on Pneumatic. Pneumatic was a horse that I think got thrown to the wolves in the Belmont. It was a little bit of too much too soon. He ran okay that day. Uh, they dropped him in class last time out, and he got a confidence booster. He gets some pace. He comes running late for Asmussen. Those are kind of the interesting longer-priced horses for me. Absolutely. That's great. And that's what, what we're lo- looking for. I did notice a horse you didn't mention, Dan, was uh, Swiss Skydiver. Well, so Sky Amber's going to take some money in this race. And as I said on the video on, on uh, our Daily Racing Form YouTube page and video.drf.com, um, she's not just a sentimental pick in here because she's a filly against the boys. She is a horse that could certainly win this race. Uh, she's danced every dance. She's danced them well. I just think I saw what I needed to see in the bluegrass. When she and Art Collector raced against each other, it looked like Swiss Skydiver had a fair pace on the lead, and Art Collector just simply ran right by her. Now, Swiss Skydiver rebounded from that effort, no problem at all. She won the Alabama like it was breaking sticks at the mile and a quarter distance, but against <laughs> the Lees and Mares. And last time out in the Kentucky Oaks, I have to be honest with you, I, I just couldn't find the excuse. She had a great trip saving ground in the pocket. She came out with a big look, and uh, she dares the devil was just too good for her. I have a lot of respect for Swiss Skydiver. I love horses that like to win races. I love horses nowadays that like to run in races. She does both. Um, I just think the pace is going to be very fast. Well, you you know, and you're you're right, just to to go back to her, and she's certainly not my top pick. But um, Kenny McPeak, he he doesn't dodge anybody. I mean, you know, he'll put him on a plane if he sees his path, as long as the horse is fit, because he does what's right. But uh, she's kind of an old school kind of racehorse. You know, back in the the 80s and, you know, uh, you would see things like this almost on a regular basis, horses that would – at this time of the year already have made eight starts. And uh, so I think that's kind of gritty, but like you said, I, I think she showed her vulnerability to the boys a little bit uh, in, in the bluegrass. I'm dying to see art collector and find out if he's the real deal, because I love his connections. They're great, great people, uh, jockey owner and trainer. And uh, to, to see this horse just peak at the right time, undefeated this year, I, I'm looking forward to a, a Good match down the lane between Art Collector and Authentic. But we will find out on Saturday at 536, so they tell us. Well, let's move to your backyard. And uh, first of all, what's the uh, potential weather report in the New York region? Potential weather report right now, and let's keep our fingers crossed, and let's knock on wood, and let's hold the rabbit's foot and do all the good stuff like that is it's good. We want the weather to be fast and firm on these big days, uh, especially for these major turf races. So right now the weather seems to be looking good, and I'm hoping that remains the case throughout this weekend, although it's 2020. Anything can happen. Anything can. And, you know, it was funny when uh, I was listening to you and Mike Beers earlier today. uh, On today's show, you were breaking down the uh, Joe Hirsch uh, Turf Classic, grade one, quarter million, uh, mile and a half on the turf. And it sounds like it'll be uh, fair play. But as you guys talked about these horses, 
I kept wanting to bet every horse in the field. I mean, there's a lot of angles in here. Oh, there are so many angles in here, especially when you consider the prep race for this was the sword dancer at Saratoga. And as I mentioned in the uh, stakes preview, you know, you knew something was wrong going into the panic in the stakes preview when they unloaded the horses two by two from an arc. That was how wet <laughs> the turf course was at Saratoga that day. And there's one horse in this field that loves that sort of turf, and that's Channel Maker, who won the Joe Hirsch Turf Classic a few years ago over similar turf. It looked like the horse had lost his form, but when he stepped on that wet turf course, that soft turf course, he turned back the hands of time, and he ran one of his big races. Now, I'm not sure he's as effective on firm going as he is on soft, but it was nice to at least see him get back into form. But you're right. There are angles galore in this race. Horses coming in racing first time in North America. Chad Brown has masterpiece uh, in this field. There's a horse from Germany, Lacario, who's kept some pretty good company. And sometimes these European horses just need Lasix. They bleed. They can't run in Europe on Lasix. I don't know. I guess I chickened out a little bit and took one of our sort of old standbys. I like I like cross border a little bit in this race, and Michael Maker's done a really nice job with him. He's been in just excellent form this entire year. He was placed first via disqualification in the Bowling Green, and I think he ran very gamely in the Sword Dancer, despite the fact that. I don't think that soft turf course played to his strengths. He's in form right now. He has good tactical speed. Lots of times in these long-distance turf races in New York, you just see a merry-go-round where one horse goes right to the front, backs down the fractions, and keeps it going. I think Kendrick Carmouche is very aggressive. He's riding cross-border for the first time, and I think he's going to stay close to Channel Maker. Well, I, I I know you know you and Mike Beers. You know when you guys were talking, you kind of talked about. Well, I've just lost too much money on Channel Maker. I'm not I'm not going to bet him in the Sword Dancer, and he scores at eight to one. I I have that same situation with the inside horse, Sadler's Joy. Now he's seven years old now, um, and has not won a race this year. Uh, but when he did finally cross the finish line first in the Bowling Green, uh, he got disqualified for. Uh, you know, bothering some horses at the 16th pole, but, uh, you know, he keeps on knocking, but, but he can't get in. And, and I know if I don't bet him, he's going to win. And, uh, but I probably won't. And I thought it was interesting. Uh, one of your friends there at the daily race form seemed to be saying it's about time rock emperor finally got to the finish line first i mean he's developed every race uh, he's run three consecutive 100 plus buyers and has had really close calls in the charlie whittingham at santa anita uh the manhattan there at belmont and then even traveled down to churchill and ended up run, running a, a solid third uh in the turf classic so david grenning likes him and your partner mike beers comes up with this mystery horse from chile how do you get a line on a horse like this I think Mike goes in the uh, he goes and goes down the rabbit hole on YouTube for about 17 hours trying to find video <laughs> replays of all these horses. And that's why he very successfully does the work. Um, for me, I look at Masterpiece. His last race wasn't very good, but if you notice, it was on heavy ground, um, which probably isn't his best running. He is getting Lasix. He's trained by this guy Brown that I hear is pretty good. And from what I've heard, and again. Take racetrack rumors for what they are. I've heard a lot of good things from the backstretch about this horse. It appears this horse can run a little bit. I haven't had a lot of good luck with horses from South America in the past, so I'm taking a pass on this horse, but I have heard some good things. And as for Rock Emperor, I could certainly see it because he's kept really good company without winning. 
this is a new distance for him, and Chad's really trying to stretch him out. I think Chad tried to make him a 9-10 for a long horse. Now he's trying to make him a 12 for a long horse. Maybe he'll do it. I didn't like his turf classic. I know he ran third. He got a great pace scenario. I thought he was all done at the three-eighths pole and going nowhere, and he still was able to finish third despite not changing leads in the stretch. He's had his chances, close but no cigar. He could easily win this race, and maybe it's one of the new faces, not of the Sadler's Joy and Channel Maker and cross-border ilk. He's the right one. Uh, I have a feeling he's also going to take a little bit of money. He's 2-1 to one on the morning line. Okay, well, let's get on to the other quarter-million-dollar grade one, the Belmont Derby Invitational. Now, this will be uh, at a mile and a quarter on the turf course, and uh, I'll be very interested to see who Dan Illman comes up with this one. It's another one that I don't think has got a huge standout in there. Well, not at all. You've got horses coming out of the Saratoga Derby. They were a half length apart, the top three finishers that day. Um, easily one of those three could win. This is a race, though, that I believe it's going to come down to pace and trip. There is not a lot of pace in this race. Uh, I think the long shot Mo Reddy, who's stretching out from a mile, is going to make the lead. I don't think Mo Reddy is good enough. Domestic spending, who just won the Saratoga Derby, is likely to be close to the pace. Gufu, who was second in the Saratoga Derby and really wants the distance. This is a horse that's going to appreciate every step of this mile and a quarter. He's going to be far, far back. That might work against him a little bit. The horse that I pick, I usually don't pick horses like this. Horses coming off pretty good trips. Uh, but I think that the number one no word is going to run a lot better than he did in the Saratoga Derby. He had a pretty good trip. He was down inside on the turn. The rail opened up for him. He chugged along. He only got beat a half length that day. But this is a very lightly raced colt. He popped out of the last race with a bullet workout. He's going to get a great trip. I could just imagine him sitting the harness pocket trip with a big chance turning into the stretch. And of the big three coming out of the Saratoga Derby, he'll be the best price. Yeah, he was 18 to 1 that day and only missed by a half of a length, Dan. Uh, I guess uh, he's made... uh, uh, believers out of people and the winner of that race uh, was the uh, domestic spending another British bread that's now under the care of Chad Brown we see that so much well uh, Dan you during a yeah I should say earlier parts of the summer whatever I listened to you and Nicole Russo uh, do your spa babies so I'm trusting that you have some insight into the grade two pilgrim stakes uh, horses that uh you know, you, you may be have the inside scoop on their pedigree or that you've had a chance to, to watch race at at, uh, at Saratoga. And then we got a couple of horses coming down from Canada that uh, took their show on the road last time out. Now, it's a really interesting race. And this race is, of course, uh, an important prep for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. The logical favorite in this race, I believe, is public sector for um for Chad Brown, one of those British bred horses that you just mentioned, um, public sector made his career debut at Saratoga. He didn't win the race like a lot of first-time starters do, where you see that they go right to the front and win. He won it like a professional older horse. He sat from off the pace. He came with a strong run. He won as the favorite. This is a horse that was sold in England. A lot of times, Chad will send some of his uh, clients over there, and they'll buy at public auction. You won't see it in the racing form. Uh, auction- right details. We just cover it in North America, but this horse sold for about $220,000 over there as a yearling. Um, 
he's by a very solid stallion. There's a lot to like about this horse. Shorty, shorty, shorty to me is really interesting. And so is American Monarch. American Monarch, I was really interested to see what he would do last time out in the summer stakes. And he just didn't do what I wanted him to do, which was win. Um, maybe a one-turn mile isn't his game. And I think American Monarch getting back out uh, on the inner to a mile and a 16th, I think he'll run well. Uh, of the price horses, shoddy, shoddy, shoddy. I liked what I saw in his debut. He had been working very well. He was one of our spa baby horses that came in. And last time out of Kentucky Downs, Kentucky Downs is a tricky track for any horse, especially a two-year-old. And I yes. think shoddy, shoddy, shoddy ran really gamely, considering that that course has all the dips and undulations and turns. And it was a good experience uh, booster for him. He's kind of an interesting horse at a price in here. He's four to one on the morning line. I think he drifts. But those would be probably be my three. And tomorrow when we film the video, I will finalize for everyone. Aha. Well, uh, you know, I got get a good minute or so before we go out. Uh, I, I was also reading a story from Brad Free, and I wanted to get your input about all the whip restrictions. Now, a couple years ago, jockeys were getting heat because it says they weren't trying hard enough to finish up the try or 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 whatever you know and uh heck how are you going to be able to figure out if a jockey's trying or not when he can't even go to the whip well you know that's that's the thing i guess we're going to have to have the old eddie de la Husse hard hand ride all the way to the wire the crop is necessary simply because what happens if a horse is out of control if a horse starts bolting on the turn if a horse starts leaning in on another horse and looks like he's about to jump the rail this horse is going to have to be corrected jocks are going to have to protect themselves that's i understand the that's reasons. the only time yeah. they can use it though dan is yeah, they can the use it if a horse is in trouble but they can't really use it as as encouragement more than two taps oh, absolutely right and now it's going to be up to the jockeys to 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 make sure that they time it just right uh this has been in europe for a while it's been controversial over there we've seen many many riders be suspended because they've overused the whips in major races I don't know. I'm I'm really kind of against it. I think this is perhaps an overreaction to uh, PETA and a lot of other things that are going on in the business right now uh, and in the world right now. But I just have a feeling that I don't know. I, 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 jockeys are going to have to learn how to hand ride their horses. Uh, Eddie Delahousse used to do it. Uh, he did it very, very well. He was always praised for it. He didn't have to go to the whip. Um it's a tough thing for jockeys to figure out, uh, John, and I'm not really sure exactly uh, how they're going to react to it. I know John Velasquez on Twitter is, is, is very upset about this. A lot of riders are very upset about this. Some horses just simply respond better to it. There are lazy horses out there. We've seen them. We bet on them. Um, I don't know. I think the whip is necessary. I don't think these guys are overusing it. I don't think these guys are abusing the animals, and I think that's why, uh, unfortunately, it's being taken away. Well, plus the adjustments that have been made in the whip itself. I mean, it's like uh, getting hit with a cotton swab. Well, hit like a like a pillow almost, right? I mean, you know, you know, I've put my hand out and I've had a jockey hit me with the whip, and it really does not sting. I mean, it's 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 soft. Um, we never want to abuse the animals. That's the last thing that we would want to do. Um, unfortunately, there is a perception out there. I think among the general public, many people uh, among the general public that have never been to a racetrack that have never um, watched racing, that have never spoken to a jockey, that have never been around a horse. And there's a perception that there is violence and abuse against animals. And it's untrue in this sense. 
Uh, I think 95% of the jockeys are completely responsible uh, and they care a tremendous amount about the, the welfare of the horses. So this is just something that, that jockeys are going to have to get used to and uh, they're going to have to be very judicious because I have a feeling that the stewards are going to be real strict about this. Well, you know, it's just like all of us, you know, Dan, if you've done something for your entire life and for somebody to come in and you're, uh, you know, a 45 year old man, they say, oh, by the way, John, you can't do that anymore. It's like, what do you mean? I've been doing it since I was 16. I can't do it anymore. It's going to be interesting, you know, because it's just it's reflex. It's response. It's second nature. Second nature wanting to win. Guys. Plus, yeah, the horses. And you've seen them, Dan. Some of them. They almost thrive on it. It's like, okay, boss, you want me to go now? I'll go now. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm on your side of this argument for sure. Well, Dan Elman, thank you so much. We'll be tuning in tomorrow to see, uh, to get the inside skinny on the, the Pilgrim on DRF TV. And once again, as always, thank you very much for joining us. Hey, it's always a pleasure talking to you, John. Good luck to you this weekend and to all of your listeners. All right, everybody. Well, that was Dan Elman. Coming up is going to be Brian Zipsy. So everybody take a deep breath and namaste right there. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me is Brian Zipsy. Finally was able to get him off his busy schedule and and bring him in with us. Uh, I, I 
a lot of times I get towards the end of a section and go, well, I'll, I'll see you up at the Keeneland press box. And those are words that have not been able to leave my lips yet this year. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I mean, that, that was a very special place. I mean, all the Eclipse Award winners and award-winning writers and just, you know, good people, the staff there. Uh, it, it, was, it was a great place to be. I mean, everybody got serious when it was post time for the first, and we pretty maintained that for a while. But it was also a great place to socialize previous to the races and after the last if you weren't writing a story. Brian, thanks for joining us again. With uh, you and your listeners. And, yeah, Keeneland, uh, missing missing Keeneland is one of the, uh, the many things that we uh, – certainly don't want to uh, see uh, repeated in 2021 so let's uh, let's hope for better days soon my friend yes yes well of course uh, you know as you said you know it's uh, it's going to be uh, October 3rd which of course we always run the uh, preakness <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so uh, we're, we're uh, just uh, we will get back to normal in someday, I'm sure. But uh, anyhow, Brian, uh, let, let's tackle briefly the last remaining Triple Crown race of the year, and uh, that is is the the Preakness. And from talking to Dan, I guess they had some wet weather uh, there today. Uh, obviously, none of us have a crystal ball to know what it'll be like on Saturday. Uh, but you know, you like to have a level playing field for races like this instead of maybe a, a curve getting thrown in where one of the better horses just doesn't like the slop and some, you know, long shot relishes it, you know, so let's hope we get a, a, a decent day. But uh, if form holds, it, it looks like it's going to be awful hard to knock authentic off, off his game and uh, the ever improving, uh, you know, art collector. Uh, who's done nothing wrong this year, but win races and four starts, um, love his connections. Um, it, it's it, it's hard to get past those two. So I hope we got a level playing field. Yeah, absolutely. And and I have looked at the weather uh, forecast at least, and, and as you said, you never know for sure. But it, it does look like it's going to uh, be a little nicer as we get closer to the race. And I don't think they've had enough rain where we're probably looking at it off track. That's one good thing about the 2020 Triple Crown Series this year, John. It's been it's been nice tracks, uh, good fair tracks uh, throughout, good weather. And I think we're going to get, knock on wood, I think we're going to get that for the Preakness. Although I tell you what, there's one horse in there, uh, the one horse actually, breaking from the one-hole accession. If uh, if he does get a sloppy track, he'll be one of the biggest shots on the board, and I think he relishes a wet track. So just keep that in mind, just in case we do see a wet track, maybe accession is a, a long shot to throw in. But, uh, yeah, probably a dry track, and Authentic looks really good. But, you know, it, it was just two races ago that he held off New York traffic by a nose in the Haskell. So, on the other hand, I don't think he's unbeatable, and, and, and I see a pretty big X on his back uh, as, as strictly the horse to beat this time. So there's other speed in here, and uh, with everybody kind of watching Authentic early or kind of taking the race to authentic a little bit. I, I certainly don't see him as unbeatable in here. 
No, and uh, he is breaking from the nine hole. And everybody says that that won't be a problem because, as you know, most jockeys will tell you they'd much rather be out there than buried down in post one or two because they get a chance to kind of see how the story's, you know, uh, opening for them. And they can move from there. But, yeah, authentic, let's face it. He, he He's yeah. a front runner, you know. Yeah, he, he, he does have the good position. You know, Johnny Velasquez is a great rider to, to have on or near the lead, and he has the enviable position of, of being able to see all the speed horses and what they're doing early inside him. I just have a feeling that with this clear second choice art collector having quite a bit of speed and, and some other nice horses like Swiss Skydiver, the Philly, and, and New York Traffic, who, like I said, was right there with them in the Haskell two starts ago, that uh, they might make more of an effort to make Authentic's job just a little bit tougher the first half of the race. And, hey, maybe that softens it up for somebody who can uh, can close with odds. And, and, John, you and I are always looking for some odds. And, and I think, you know, I think Mr. Big News, I don't know if I've talked myself on him a little bit, but I think uh, Authentic's the one to beat. But I think Big Mr. Big News is going to run a real good race and, uh, you know, I think he'll, he won't be that 48 to one or whatever he was in the Kentucky Derby, but I think he'll still be a long shot. And I, I've decided that the, uh, you know, I thought he was looking good in the mornings before the bluegrass, for whatever reason, he didn't run his best in the bluegrass became a super big long shot for the Kentucky Derby, ran a big race. And this race might be set up just a little bit better for, for a horse to come from, uh, farther back, and, uh, and and Mr. Big News is the one I've landed on to use with Authentic as my top two. Well, uh, you know, none of these horses have been over uh, the Pimlico Strip. A lot of times you get a couple of hometown horses in here looking for, you know, a shot at the big one, but all these horses, this will be the first time at Pimlico. Well, oh, Brian Zipsy, you wrote a really nice story this week on Swiss Skydiver and pointed out that she's a throwback to days gone by, how they now treat these horses like, you know, hothouse roses. And Kenny McPeak's done nothing of the sort uh, with this filly. Yeah, I I appreciate you reading, first off, John, on Horse Racing Nation. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of become rare, whether we're talking about turf racing or dirt racing in America. Uh, you'll see some stakes horses who 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 knock heads uh, every month, and, and they'll run ten times during the year. But it's really rare nowadays for a top top racehorse. And obviously, Swiss Skydiver is a top top racehorse. She's uh, uh, got a very good chance to be the champion three year old filly this year. She's run six outstanding races in a row. This will be the second time she's run against males this year having finished second behind Art Collector in the Bluegrass. But, you know, uh, the amazing thing about this, this will be her ninth consecutive stake or ninth stakes race in 2020. And, and 2020 has been a little bit limited in, in, in scheduling. We've missed some racing and some time there with, with the, the worst of the COVID. So the fact that she's running nine stakes races as of Saturday in the Preakness already this year is something. But then, then you look at it, all these big races and you realize that the Pimlico will be her ninth racetrack that she's run at this year. And that is just, 
that amazes me. Uh, in this century, you just don't see it anymore. Uh, we used to see things like this, you know, when we were younger men, John. But, uh, yeah, uh, a throwback, I think, is the best way to describe Swiss Skydiver. I think she's got her work cut out for her on Saturday, unfortunately. I'd, I'd love to... I'd love to see her do a really uh, run another big race. She probably will run a good race, but it might not be the best spot for her. But we'll see. Maybe she'll surprise me. And uh, she runs her usual. She'll be uh, at least involved when they get to the eighth pole. Well, I, I just a very enjoyable story on Horse Racing Nation, Brian. Uh, I was happy to read it. Well, uh, let's let's take a look at, at some of the card at Keeneland. You know, I just talked to Dan Illman. They got a super card. Uh, this was a day I never missed uh, down in Lexington uh, because you're you're going to see so many horses that are going to run on Saturday. Uh, both on the East Coast and in Central Kentucky uh, in the Breeders' Cup races. So uh, we'll start with the, the Shadwell Turf Mile. Rich, $750,000 purse. It's, it's a grade one race. And uh, I believe Halliday is uh, tabbed as the slight favorite at 5-2 to two over the Chad Brown-trained Flavius. But I, I, there's no sure thing in this race for sure. Yeah, it's a wide open race, and and uh, it's become one of my favorite races of the year because they often have these, you know, really nice full fields for the Shadwell Turf Mile every fall at Keeneland. Uh, we did see Wise Dan, of course, here back uh, earlier this decade uh, do his thing in the Shadwell Turf Mile, but uh, another deep field, and yeah, Holiday is listed as the favorite, and and I, I'm pretty sure he will be for trainer Todd Pletcher coming off a really nice win at Saratoga. But uh, if he's the clear favorite, uh, my money's going to be on other horses. I, I certainly think Holiday has a shot, but there's some speed in here, and I don't think he's done enough to make me think, wow, he's unbeatable. Uh, one of the horses, I, I, I still haven't landed on a horse for sure. I think I'm going to use a Bill Mott long shot on the rail a little bit, Casa Creed, hoping he's getting better this year. But there's a, a gaggle of horses that could run a good race in here. But one horse I want to talk about real quick you gotta you gotta like the story of analyze it a little bit because analyze it was a really good two year old turf horse three years ago, and then his three year old year he kind of uh, he, he had he had his ups and downs, but he came really close if you remember as a three year old to winning the Breeders Cup Mile Breeders Cup Mile of course being a turf race like the Shadwell Turf Mile, and and then we didn't see analyze it for going on two years. Right. And, uh, yeah. And, and the story is a lot like bricks and mortar because last year's horse of the year, uh, missed about 18 months before Chad Brown's patience finally, uh, paid off. He got bricks and mortar back to the races early last year. And of course he went on a big run dominating American turf racing last year and, and ending up the horse of the year. Now analyze it had even a longer layoff. I, I think we're, uh, it's very close, maybe, maybe 20 months for him before he returned uh, recently at Monmouth park. It, it was a smaller stakes race, but he looked awfully good after such a long layoff. Always knew he was a talented turf horse. This will be his second race back his second race in just about two years. And, uh, you know, if all goes well here at Keeneland, he's run well at Keeneland before. The Breeders' Cup Mile, of course, is, is five weeks later at Keeneland. So Analyze It is, is a very interesting horse. And 
I'm not sure the odds are going to be, you know, great for him. He might very well be the second choice, but just an interesting story after all that time off. Well, Brian Zipsy, we got about three minutes left. Let's see if we can just squeeze in the highlights uh, on the Breeders' Futurity and, and the First Lady. Now, the Breeders' Futurity, I, I, mean, I always love this race, and uh, it, it's a grade one. Uh, these are the babies. You don't have to be nominated. The old Futurity system doesn't exist anymore. But uh, nonetheless, uh, it, it's brought together an interesting group. It, it seems like slight favoritism is uh, going towards the Brad Cox trainee, Essential Quality, who uh, ran an impressive debut in a maiden special weight, but the, the time was nothing to write home about. I mean, if I was going to take a second-time starter, I, I'd move towards Upstriker. I like Upstriker. I like Upstriker as my as my uh, pseudo long shot here. Upstriker's eight to one on the morning line, and, and this is uh, a little bit different. Breeders' Futurity, uh, maybe Maxfield uh, kind of uh, broke new mold uh, last year when he had only a sprint win for Godolphin, and he won this race impressively. Unfortunately, I I was really impressed with essential qualities. I say that uh, unfortunately because he is the two to one morning line favorite, as you mentioned. But I I thought his maiden uh, race, which was six furlongs, a uh, sprint at Churchill Downs. I thought it was super impressive the way he rallied so well. It reminded me a little bit of Max Field. So I think he is the horse to beat, but the horse I want to play with him is the son of Upstart. Upstriker, the number two for uh, Ronnie Moquette, and uh, Joe Talamo will be aboard. I liked his maiden win uh, last month at uh, Ellis Park. So Upstriker, uh, an interesting possibility with odds in that race. All right, the First Lady Stakes. We're going on the turf a mile. Horse I've always loved. Newspaper of record is getting the morning line favoritism out of the Chad Brown barn. Has won over a million dollars. Yeah, she's terrific. I've convinced myself, and I I could still be wrong, but I've convinced myself after watching her for three years now that she is better on soft turf. I think we're going to get a pretty firm turf course after all is said and done here. We just haven't had much rain in Kentucky. So I think maybe that makes her vulnerable. There's not quality speed in here, but there are a couple like Delica and uh, Crystal Lake who should show speed in here to keep her busy. And we got two really good stretch runners in the short field. Uni hasn't won yet, but I think she'll, I, I think she's, better than she showed in her last where Pace did not come back against the males at Saratoga. And then Bo Recall ran an absolutely super race to run down newspaper of record last time. So you got three strong favorites in here. I'm going to go uh, with Bo Recall, uh, but any one of those three favorites, you know, they, they all should be back for the Breeders' Cup. They're all really good turf mares. All right, Brian, my uh, producer Josh tells me I got to get out of here. He's got to go home. Thanks for being on the show. I also want to thank Dan Illman. want to remind everybody at winningponies.com, we got a free Preakness contest going on. So what the heck? If it's free, it's for me. So uh, go ahead and get get involved uh, with Winning Ponies. Again, you don't have to uh, have ever been on the website before. Uh, it's, it's, it's totally free and uh, lots of prizes paying all the way down to the top six winners out there. All right. Want to thank everybody. Want to thank you. Have a great weekend and buy those easy win forms. It's a wild, wild weekend in thoroughbred racing. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. 
We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.